This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Say good morning. Certainly appreciate everybody's presence here this morning. I want to thank Dan for mentioning me in his prayer. Certainly I need those prayers. You know, I can tell you for sure that as long as I read these scriptures properly, you will be edified by the scripture. But it's the comments that I make that I need the prayers for. I hope that the comments that I make, the way that I put these verses together, will be in accordance with God's word and will be a benefit to you. This morning, as you see on the, the board front, we're going to talk about salt we're going to do a little talk about seasoning you know think about the last meal good meal that you had maybe it was just this morning maybe you had a really good breakfast maybe it was yesterday it was probably you enjoyed it because of the good flavor it had you know we don't purposely we wouldn't choose bland food over food that's flavored well if we're serving a meal to a guest we want that food to be enjoyable we want we want it to have good flavor If you take somebody to a restaurant, you don't seek out the worst restaurant in town and say, hey, this is the worst restaurant in town. They've got the blandest food you're going to love. You know, no, we we seek out good flavor. And our Lord and Savior tells us we are the salt of the earth. And we're going to delve into this and just see how how, um, important of a statement this is. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, this is where Jesus tells us this. He says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor or his flavoring, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. And so the point made here is this salt, if it didn't have any flavor, if it didn't have any, you know, it's not much for decoration, you know, why would you? Put that on your food. What good is it if it doesn't have any flavor? We probably don't think a whole lot about salt. We don't really put a lot of value on it because salt is everywhere. There's no salt shortage, especially in our country. It's on, you go to a restaurant, there's a salt shaker on nearly every table. There's packets of it. We just don't really have a high value. I mean, we appreciate it, but we don't look at it as very much value. But that's not the case when Jesus made this statement. Historically, salt has been very valuable. So this morning, hopefully, we, we take a look at just how bold of a statement this is that, there is, that salt is such a valuable thing. I went to seasalt.com, and they had a whole history. And I'm going to take an excerpt of that because it was very helpful for me. And you'll see... As we go through these things, kind of where I'm going with this topic this morning. But it says, the word salary was derived from the word salt. Salt was highly valued and its production was legally restricted in ancient times. So it was historically used as a method of trade and currency. Let's say your boss tells you or your company tells you, for this next paycheck, uh, we're not going to give you a direct deposit. We're just going to, we're going to pay you in salt, you know. That's, you know, different times, but 
historically salt has been very valuable. The word salad was also originated from salt and began with the early Romans salting their leafy greens and vegetables. Undeniably, the history of salt is both broad-ranging and unique, leaving its indelible mark in cultures across the globe. You think about a salad, you may have eaten, you know, there's been times where I've had a, a salad and didn't get any dressing, and you can eat it, but it's not as pleasant as if you have some dressing. Well, apparently that dressing custom came many years ago where the Romans would put salt on those leafy greens so they could eat them. Most people probably think of salt as simply that white granular food seasoning found on salt shakers on virtually every dining table. It is that, surely, but it is far more. And is, it is an essential element in the diet of not only humans, but of animals and of many plants. Salt is one of the most effective and most widely used of all preservatives and was used to preserve Egyptian mummies as well. Its industrial and other uses are almost without number. The fact is that throughout history, salt, called sodium chloride by chemists, has been such an important element of life that it has been the subject of many stories, fables, and folk tales, and is frequently referenced in fairy tales. It's served as money at various times and places. It's even been the cause of bitter warfare. Offering bread and salt to visitors in many cultures is traditional etiquette. It is also used in making pottery. While we have records of the importance of salt and commerce in medieval times and earlier, in some places like Sahara and Nepal, salt trading today gives a glimpse of what life may have been like centuries ago. Chinese folklore recounts the discovery of salt. Salt production has been important in China for two millennia or more, and the Chinese, like many other governments over time, realizing that everyone needed to consume salt, made salt taxes a major revenue source. And hopefully Congress is not listening this morning because we don't want, want them to, to get any ideas. Uh, nomads spreading westward were also known to carry salt. Egyptian art from as long ago as 1450 BC records salt making. Uh, salt was of crucial importance economically. The expression, not worth his salt, stems from the practice of trading slaves for salt in ancient Greece. Can you imagine being at that time, and you're, you are being sold, somebody is buying you for a quantity of salt. Special salt rations given to early Roman soldiers were known as salar salarium argentum, the forerunner of the English word salary. References to salt can be found in languages around the globe, particularly regarding salt used for food. From the Latin sal, for example, come such other derived words as sauce and sausage. Salt was an important trading commodity carried by explorers. And it goes on and on. I know it's lengthy, but you kind of see, we don't really think about this a lot of times when we're just salting our food. And then we, we see the importance of salt, it kind of makes you see how important this statement is when Jesus says, you are the salt of the world. We are to flavor the world, we're to preserve the world. There's so many parallels that we're going to look at this morning between the physical salt and us being that spiritual salt of the earth. Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 28, Jesus says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. 
Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. We often don't think about the value of salt, but what we also tend to forget is our value to God. We're told here that the very hairs, there in verse 30, the very hairs, every single hair you have on your head, God has that numbered. We are that important to God. He is going to take care of us. And in the context of being the salt of the earth, that's about doing God's will to being a benefit to this world. And a lot of times the fact is we get timid. Maybe we're scared to go out and preach the word. Uh, maybe we're timid even just doing something in the service and we just we kind of lose sight of the fact of how important we are to God because God made us salt. That's who he made us. That's how we're built. We're built to do his work. So we've got to be very careful that we realize that he made me to go out and do his work. He is going to help me do that very thing. We are outnumbered in this world. We, we know, we look around a society that is not very friendly to the gospel. But we can't underestimate the impact we have. Because we can look at ourselves, you know, if you take one little granule of salt... You don't even see it. And sometimes we put a value on ourselves like that, like I can't do very much. But think about when you salt a piece of meat, like if you take an eight ounce steak, do you put eight ounces of salt on that steak? When you crack open an egg, do you take the shell and fill it up to the brim with salt and put that on there? No, it only takes a little bit of salt to do the flavoring. So we shouldn't feel overwhelmed like we can't make a difference because we can. Remember, God designed us to do that, and he's going to help us do that. You can't oversalt, or you can oversalt a piece of meat. Yes, you can dump a, however much salt on meat, on eggs, on any food, and you can oversalt that. But don't let anyone ever convince you that you're salting the earth too much, that you're talking about Jesus too much. We simply cannot talk about Jesus Christ enough because the world needs all it can get. There's always work to do and we are valuable in that work. Again, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Don't lose that flavoring. Go out and do what you are built for. And then if you take all of us as a whole, just think about that, we can really do some good seasoning. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 17. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? It is, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So very good questions asked here, and it gets back to the heart of the matter. 
How is somebody going to believe the truth if they if they've never heard it? And how is that truth going to get preached unless somebody does it? That's part of of what Jesus is getting at. You're the salt of the earth. Go out and season the earth. The gospel will not spread if we don't spread it. We make ourselves like salt that sit, just sits here in the shaker if we don't go out and do the work. We're like a Bible that sits on the shelf if we don't do anything. It's not good unless it's applied. And the world sure is in desperate need of some salt. Two of the main purposes of salt are to flavor and preserve. And Christians, we have to do both of those things. We should add flavor to a world a world that is in such bad taste right now. And we need to preserve a society that is quickly decaying. If it's not for Christians, then the word of God just kind of fades away. We are to, again, be that salt of the earth. Historically, salt has been used to preserve meat by slowing its decay. We should have that same impact on the world around us. Job makes this observation in Job 6 and 6. He says, Can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? Can you eat something unsavory without salt? Yes, you can, you can eat it, but it's probably not going to be very pleasant. Is there any taste in the white of an egg? In other words, salt just makes thing, things better. It's hard to eat tasteless food without salt. And unless we are on some kind of restricted diet, we're always going to choose the food that tastes better. We're never going to pick, oh, give me, give me that. It doesn't have any seasoning on it. I'd rather eat that. That's, that's not going to be the case. You know, one of the uh, symptoms here with this COVID deal is loss of taste. And I've talked to people, several people, younger people even, that have lost taste for some six months or more. They just... I talked to one guy and he said, I can just drink apple cider vinegar like it's water. And if you've ever had apple cider vinegar, it's not water. You know, it's, you're going to know you're, you're swallowing that. But that's the kind of world, we, the world is in such, has such bad taste these days. Spiritually speaking, we as salt should give ourselves to the service of each other and be that good flavor. We shouldn't become have our conscience numbed or, or take in these bad things. We've got to be receptive to good taste, and we've got to give good flavor into the world around us. 1 Peter 4, verses 8 and 9, he says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. So these words, above all things, that sounds fairly significant, above all things. Top of the list, more important than anything. If you were to tell, if you had somebody working for you and you said, hey, here's what I want you to do, and you give them a list of things, and you said, above all things, do this one thing in particular. Say so you, you leave, you come back, and you see them doing, not doing that. Well, you're not going to be very happy. The same principle is here. We're told above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. How do you think God looks down upon us when we're told specifically, 
This is the most important thing, have fervent charity. If we're not doing that, how does God feel about that? One of those facts a moment ago said that salt, giving salt to a guest is considered a show of hospitality. You share it with people that you invite over. Spiritually speaking, we as salt should give ourselves to the service of each other. Just as salt makes food better, we should make things better for others. And that's not so much monumental things in somebody's life, but just good things. We should be a benefit on a personal level to each other. When people meet us, though, do they typically leave with a bad taste in your mouth? Have you ever met somebody like that where just you leave after meeting with them and you're like, there's a bad taste in my mouth? Uh, hopefully that's not what we are given because Jesus says, you, as my, you carry my name. You, are, you use the title Christian. You should be salting. You should be giving good flavor to others. We certainly don't want others walking away from us with a bad taste in our mouth. And one way we can certainly give somebody a bad taste is by bad communications. If our words are in bad taste, it becomes very difficult to make the argument that, yes, I am salting the earth if all of our words are bad. <clears throat> Dirty, ugly, bad, filthy speech, it does not improve things. Colossians 4 and 6 says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Our words should be pleasant, not just to Christians, not just to people we like, to every man. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. How do we present ourselves to others? Because when you think about how we present ourselves to others, our speech has such a big component of that. If we are constantly negative, if we're using foul language, look at the impression that people are getting. When we look at ourselves and the example of food, are we like a finely seasoned steak or like a, tur a turnip? Which, if you've ever, I'm not a fan of turnips. The only time I've ever had it was at a, a Thanksgiving potluck and I thought it was potatoes, I think, and I thought it looked a little odd. I was expecting potatoes, and it was a turnip. It, it was not pleasant. But is that how, when we speak to others, anybody, again, every man, are we like that nice flavored food, or are we something that, that's bitter, that's hard to, to take in? When people look at us, or they think about when people think about you, do they think, that is a person that I just can't stand to be around. They are constantly negative. They use foul language. Just, it, it just really is not good for me to be around them. Or are they more likely to say about you, you know, he's real pleasant to be around. The things he says are encouraging. He talks nicely about people. That's somebody that I can trust, that I might confide in. You know, where do we fit on those two extremes? Hopefully our words are encouraging to others that there's seasons with salt where people want to take our words in because if we're going to be preaching the gospel and people don't want to be around us, you see, it's, it's not going to go well. We're not going to have that effectiveness. Colossians 3 and 8, But now ye also put off all of these. In other words, get rid of every single thing that I'm about to say here. But now you also put off all these anger, wrath, 
malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. None of these things does anybody any good. And they're all around us. They're widespread. They're all over the place. There's no shortage of any of these things. But again, the one thing that sticks out to me is filthy communication, just because it's so rampant. Because our society has accepted it as it's an okay thing. You know, I've been in the, one thing that gets to me is I'm in a, a grocery store and somebody's on the phone just saying stuff they should not be saying. Kids are around. There's just, like our society almost just doesn't care anymore about the way we talk to one another, the language we use, and that's a sad thing. But we're told here as Christians, put off all of these, these things. There's an old saying, cussing like a sailor. That's something I've heard all of my life. But right now, that's almost an antiquated statement because it's more appropriate to say cussing like a teenager or cussing like a a teenage, a young girl because that's something that just really irritates me, but it's something that I I just witness as I go around town. You just hear these kids just saying such awful things. And then there's all these... This media that's coming through, that's meant, a lot of it is geared towards our youth, and it's just awful. And you would think that society, just from a uh, practical perspective, why would you raise up a society with such filthy things going on? You think just from a practical standpoint that would be shunned, but it's quite the opposite. And you see Satan at work. People are just eating this stuff up. Society has accepted all of these, but again, I see filthy communication just rampant. As we read a moment ago, our speech should be with grace, seasoned with salt. That cannot coexist with filthy communication. Certainly, as, as Christians, we cannot adopt filthy communications. We just, this is not something we can do. Titus 1 and 15. Unto the pure, all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Have you ever known somebody, perhaps a co-worker, that just everything that is said is turned into something perverted? I mean, I've known several people like that. There's just, they'll turn the, the innocent, most innocent of comments into some perverted joke. Well, right here, this discusses that. Unto them that are defiled and unbelieving, it is nothing pure. Somebody with their mind in the gutter, nothing in that mind is, is you know, we speak what's in our heart, nothing coming out is going to be pure. But on the flip side, those that are pure, all things are pure. You know, there's Christians that I've known that I hold in such high regard, and I could never even imagine this person saying something perverted and hopefully we try to be like that as well and we certainly shouldn't be hanging out with people that are in this defiled category because there's nothing good that there is no benefit to you to purposely hang around people that are like that other than preaching the gospel to them but we've got to be honest are we really doing that or are we just we enjoy their company because just to illustrate, if I go throw this salt in the gutter out there or in the sewer and then I pull it out, 
and I bring you over and I, you see me salting your food with that, you're not going to take that. If you hang around this kind of behavior, then it will have a negative impact on you. And certainly we don't, absolutely don't want to be in that category. Even their mind and conscience is defiled. The things they think about and they don't even think twice. Their conscience is defiled. It doesn't even bother them anymore. And sadly, we, work, we live in a world that it doesn't even bother. It doesn't even bother the world anymore that these things are going on. Ephesians 4 and 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And that word edifying means to build up, to, to build somebody up. Not, not in flattery, but to truly build them up. Let no corrupt or evil, rotten communication come out of your mouth. And wow, if we could do that 100%, uh, we'd be doing a good job. Our words should be a benefit to others. An easy way to lose that flavoring that Jesus says, if the salt loses its savor, what good is it? A good way to lose that savor is to, to adopt or speak poorly. <clears throat> if, if the words, because the words we say, that's how we present ourselves to the world. And if I'm out there and people know that guy's got a foul mouth, you know, this guy's, he cusses all the time. They see me walk in this building, well, they assume probably everybody in here does that. Or if they don't even know that I attend here and they just, they hear what I say, they probably don't think I'm a Christian, first of all, or they probably don't think that I'm a very strong Christian, or even worse, maybe they think that is Christian behavior. So it's just, it's so very important that we strive to follow this verse here, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Today's youth think that it's normal, and that's just the way it is, but that's just, it's quite frankly, it's a disgrace the way our society operates. They think you shouldn't talk a certain way, and we've, we've almost been groomed to, to think this way, that once you hit a certain age, you can participate in this activity. You shouldn't say that as a little kid, but you know, once you're an adult, oh yeah, it's okay to use strong language once you're at, at that point, once you're 18, and then once you hit this age, it's okay to do this sort of thing. That's kind of the way we're groomed, and I'm sure that's a tool of Satan. Just this is the way it is. When you become a grown adult, you're allowed to do these certain things. But I think we find something else very different uh, from our Lord and Savior. We're told in Romans 12 and 1 to give our bodies as a living sacrifice. Jesus does not expect us to go be crucified, to be a sacrifice to the to God. We're supposed to live out and do His work to be a living sacrifice. If you go back to the Levitical priesthood, we're not going to go into this too much this morning, but in Leviticus 2 and 13, God makes it clear that every meat offered was to be seasoned with salt. God wanted it that way. And I thought that was a pretty interesting fact. For some reason, He wanted the sacrifices back then and the Levitical priesthood to be seasoned with salt. We, as living sacrifices, are told that we're the salt of the world. 
Jesus tells us if the salt loses its savor, it's good for nothing, it provides no benefit. As the salt, we become useless if we lose that flavor. You know, if would you want to go, or maybe we should challenge ourselves, cook some food with absolutely no flavoring, sit your salt shaker and other seasonings on the plate, and just imagine as you eat that food. Is it going to taste good? No, because you didn't apply that seasoning to the food. John 15 and 8, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. Show, so shall ye be my disciples. The application of us using ourselves as salt to bear fruit, to bring results. This sounds like a test here. Are you glorifying God? Well, are you bearing fruit? You know, that sounds like kind of a requirement to be Jesus' disciples. It's certainly a question we need to ask ourselves. Am I, am I doing anything? Am I, am I profitable in any way to God? Because God is only glorified when we produce fruit. We've, we've got to be about His business. We all have potential, but think about it. Potential does not salt the earth. Having a salt shaker here does not salt your food. Having a Bible sitting here, you could carry that Bible around all day, but if you don't follow the things that are in there, if you don't share it with others, well, others aren't getting the message. You're doing no, you're producing no fruit. Luke chapter 13, verses 5 through 9. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? But he answering him said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. So the fig tree here had potential. And what happened? The Lord gave it another chance. God is always watching us to see if we are fruitful. Each and every one of us, remember, He built us with that potential. He's looking at us, are, is this person fruitful? Each day He gives us is another chance to be profitable. Even if we have been unprofitable in the past, we can turn ourselves around and thrive. And that is such a great blessing that we have from our, from our God because we may have not done anything profitable up to this moment in our life. But while I have the breath of life in me, while I'm still alive, I can get forgiveness for all of that rotten stuff I've done and I can make a change in my life and I can be profitable from this point forward. And we see this kind of illustrated here where uh, the tender of this plant was saying, give it another chance and, he, and that's what God does. Every day you wake up is another chance to be profitable to God. Mark 11, 13 and 14. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he, or Jesus, came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. 
and his disciples heard it. And then in Mark eleven nineteen and 20, And when even was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So again, the fig tree had the promise of fruit. And we see Jesus sees this fig tree from afar off. So he sees it in, a di- in the distance. And he says, maybe that tree has some fruit on it. Let's go look at it. The potential was there, but when he took a closer look, there was no fruit on that tree. The time of figs is not yet. The season for figs was not yet, but the illustration is here. We don't have a season. Our season is nonstop, and we have that potential. God looks at us, may look at us from afar. People look at us from afar. Hey, this guy, he may have some fruit, but then as they take a closer look at us, do we really have any fruit? We've all got the potential, but we have to be producing fruit. When we stand in judgment, we'll have no excuse because, again, every day God gives you a chance to produce that fruit, to be profitable in His service. We're not going to be able to say in the day of judgment, God, I I was planning on it next month. I was going to be profitable next year. When I got to this age, I was going to, you know, I was going to get busy. We may have all intended to do good things, but intent is it's just that. It's just potential. We have to make good on that intent. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. A light that is hidden offers no benefit because, it, again, it had the potential. Just take these light bulbs, for example. They have potential, but until you flip the switch and put, you know, let them do their thing, they're, they're, not, they're not doing what they can do. If you take the illustration here, we are the light of the world. But if we just cover that light up, we're not shedding the light. We're not spreading the light to the world. It would be like taking these light bulbs and wrapping them in duct tape and putting them up and flipping the switch. Well, the potential's there. They should, and they're actually producing light, but it's covered up. And that's what we do when we don't let our light shine to the world. We have this great potential where the salt, he's built us to season the earth. He's built us as this light, this candle, this light that's set on a hill. But so very often we cover that up and we just destroy any potential we have to light the world up. Matthew 5, verses 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. This morning... I urge you to take a close look at yourself this morning and, and truly ask yourself, am I flavoring the earth? What kind of flavor am I giving to other people? Have I been profitable to God? Those are questions that we should, can and should be asking ourselves. We haven't spoken on the first principles this morning, but we've kind of alluded to some of the first principles of God gives everyone another chance. He gives you a chance to make things right with Him each and every day. If you have not 
obeyed the gospel, but you understand what baptism is, the great blessing that we have through Jesus Christ that died for our sins, it washes all, everything you've ever done is washed away. If you know and understand baptism, take that, that step. We urge you to take that step this morning and have, be buried with your Lord in baptism and, and come up as a new man. If you've already taken that step and you desire the prayers of the church, we also invite you to come forward as well while we stand and sing the song of invitation. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.